if you want to buy some GameStop, then take a small amount. You know, don't take your all your savings. Don't take like your entire IRA or whatever you have. You know, don't take out a loan thinking that you're going to 10 extra money overnight. You may, and there are people that do, but most often than not, you're going to lose. And I think most people did, you know, lose with GameStop. What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Noah the Stallion, a.k.a. Rob, I can't lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I chat with my buddy Jeff Rose of Wealth Hacker. So Jeff is a former veteran turned financial blogger, natural transition. Now he's focused on his YouTube channel where he focuses on wealth building, investing, and online marketing. Basically, a lot of things that I'm interested in. So we have a super fun conversation about how he's teaching his kids how to build wealth and a lot of other fun topics. In this conversation, you'll learn three gigantic things. The pros and cons of inheriting money from your parents. I wish that happened to me. Number two, how Jeff would invest 1K today. And number three, what the hell is the BMW method and how it can lead to passive income? Make sure to check out Jeff on YouTube at Wealth Hacker. Just search it in YouTube. You're gonna enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive into the show, make sure you check out sleekbio.com. That's S-L-E-E-K bio.com. Grab your own URL. You can use it as your bio in all of your social media profiles everywhere. And it creates a cool page that you can show off whatever you want to show off. That's sleekbio.com. You can check mine out at sleekbio.com slash Noah. Make sure you grab your URL today. Also, if you're not on YouTube, it's a pretty cool site. I'm on YouTube as well. I make a lot of fun videos just for you guys. YouTube.com slash okdork. I hope to see you there. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Joshua Ardoin. Sorry for the last name. He left a review saying, Nuggets from Austin and beyond. We love Noah's podcast. Some of them are an hour, but then sometimes it's just a quick few minutes of great nuggets. Guests include entrepreneurs, CEOs, taco eaters. One of my favorite podcasts, Smiley Face. Thank you so much, Josh, and thank every other one of you listeners. If you want a shout out in a future episode, you know I want to give you one. Make sure you leave a review or just comment anywhere about the podcast. I check every single one of them. What's your day like for work? You're asking me this in a time of a pandemic when I've got four kids and a pool house construction project that is is pretty much well finished. But uh, if I get my kids to school, it's usually like from nine till four that I have some time to get some stuff done. But there's always shit. Sorry, stuff. You can say shit on the show. But like this week, my oldest son has uh, three golf tournaments. So one thirty, like I'm out Monday today. Actually, he's got another tournament. So. I usually get like two to three hours of really good work in per day. What do you do in these two to three hours? When things are running smoothly, usually uh, either content creation or idea creation. So I've got like a team kind of like handling the content calendar for the blog. And then for me, it's just trying to figure out, is there a podcast? Is there video content? Finally dabbling in some of my own digital products also promote on the blog itself. Oh, what's your digital product? This is really kind of embarrassing, but I have a course called Passive 1K that I have not promoted the crap out of. And as a true quick start, I got really excited about it. And now I'm like kind of pulling back a little bit. So the new course I'm currently finishing up is called the 10X Goals Accelerator, which is basically showing people how to do goal setting, kind of like using like the 90 day Todd Herman uh, format. But mine was from Strategic Coach, which is a coaching program I did for five years. Oh, you were part of Strategic Coach? For five years, that was one of the big contributors, I feel like, to my growth back in the day. And you know, one of the things I look back on that was, you know, I, it was like $10,000 a year to do this thing. And the stuff I learned, I mean, it's just been amazing. And But most people don't have, you know, 10 grand to invest in a coaching program or even like Todd Herman's nine-day year, I think it's like 3,500 bucks. So the idea was I want to give something. So right now, like my whole big thing is I am catering or targeting the 20-year-old version of me who rich, who just read Rich Dad Poor Dad is super excited to do something but has no idea what to do. So I want to help the younger Jeff Roses of the world turn into the older version of Jeff Rose, but hopefully in a quicker timeline. And what's the main kind of key pieces for them? And I, I want to hear about the strategic coach afterwards. What's the main kind of key strategies or tactics you, you, you're telling, you know, baby Jeff? Yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, and for many, it's just, it's taking a little bit of risk, you know, investing into something, whether it be stocks, cryptocurrency, NFT. I mean, I don't even care what it is, but just the willingness to, to dabble, you know, to try new things. So many people just kind of sit on the sidelines and just the wait and see approach. And I just look back on, you know, myself and it was a willingness to take some risk and not being willing to fail and learn from all those experiences. Uh, that's a big one. Well, I guess one thing I always wondered that, like, what is the story you had at 20 for yourself? Like, where were you at and what were you doing with your money? 
20, I was uh, in credit card debt, student loan debt, had two parents that uh, they were divorced and they had uh, filed bankruptcy twice independent of each other. So I was going down broke city and I was all about wasting money on going out, clothes, concerts. I mean, a lot of cool stuff. But at the beginning, when I first started realizing, okay, I need to start investing. I mean, it was boring mutual funds. And I was investing about 25 bucks a month. And that was where I started to learn how investing works. And but yeah, I wasn't buying any stocks. I didn't, yeah, I didn't own a stock until 22, maybe. So were your parents, when you were growing up, what was that experience like when your parents were, you know, it seems like, did, you, did they have money issues when you were growing up? Yeah. Even more so as I, as I got older. Like they were doing pretty well. And then they just made some even more bad money decisions than my dad. Like what? Well, looking at my dad. So he, I mean, he topped out. I think his salary was like $42,000. So like that's what, that's the most he ever made in his career. So from that, he was taking out more credit cards, uh, using credit card advances, cash advances on one card to make the minimum payment on the other. You know, his, his financial lesson to me was if there's something that you want, you can't afford it, take out a credit card and you can get it. Where, uh, so that was for him. My mom, they had a lot of money. My stepdad was, uh, he was in sales. I don't know what he was doing, but I mean, he was the guy that had like the car phone back when the car phone was a thing and, you know, drove a Cadillac and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden he got downsized and they had three properties in California that they were paying, no, four properties that they were paying a mortgage on. So that was one. <laughs> and uh, from there, they finally consolidated and moved to Las Vegas, sold at a good time, had a lot of cash. And then they dabbled in the real estate market in Las Vegas back around uh, 2005, 2006. And all the cash that they made from their California home sale, gone. They couldn't even short sell. I think it was like three properties. They lost everything. And that's just kind of been, <laughs> that's been a story of both my parents. My dad's dead now, but sorry to hear. Yeah, that's all the stuff I got to learn from. I mean, there's a blessing in it that you got to see some examples of things you didn't want to do. But I, I guess something I'm fascinated with lately it's just like, where do people's relationship with money they learn from, right? Like they learned from that, you know, like, here's how my parents approached it. So I, one, you might copy it or two, it sounds like you, you kind of went the, the opposite direction, but it seems like you, you kind of, you followed them a little bit into your twenties. Like, wh how do you do that? Like, I guess I grew up with Jewish parents where like, I had a debit card really early. I was budgeting really early. It was like financial literacy was, and it's funny cause that's just, I didn't know that that's not how everyone did it. So like to have like credit card debt would be like blast for me and my family. I mean, I mean, I remember, uh, so I was going to high school in California. All my friends were Jewish, which is really funny because like living in Southern Illinois, I don't think there are any Jewish people. I'm sure there are, but, um, and I just remember this, this guy, Alan, Alan Shearing was his name. And I remember in high school, he was talking to me about opening a Roth IRA. In high school? In high school. Like he had a Roth IRA. So it just, it was that, and I'm like, dude, whatever. I don't know what that even means. You know, like I had no idea what a Roth IRA was. I didn't have a savings account until I deployed to Iraq when I was 28 years old. Yon, I didn't realize you went to the military that late. I joined when I was 19. Oh, okay. And then did like part-time, but then did not get deployed until, wait, did I leave when I was 28? <laughs> when did I leave? 2006. Like in your 20s. Yeah, somewhere in there. By the way, this, this Jew friend of yours, Alan Rothman? <laughs> Shirian was his name. Where is he today? You ever look this guy up to see where he is financially and like where he is out in life? Um, we're Facebook friends, but I've not talked to him in a while. He, uh, I, I think he's dabbled in a few businesses that didn't go very well, is my understanding. Yeah, he was really into uh, men's uh, like fashion wear. Like he used to work at, they used to call it Express. No, wait, before it was Express Structure, and then it became Express, I believe. Oh yeah, he always wore super nice clothes. Based on Facebook, I don't think that he's. I'm sure he's okay, but I don't think he still has Roth IRA. <laughs> Hopefully his Roth is helping him out today. Hopefully. Yeah, it's funny because like I honestly was blessed. I, and you know, it sounds like a different experience than you a little bit where besides the my parents, like my high school, like one guy sold his company to Cisco for a billion. Like my best friend is like he's an early person at, at Stripe, which is gonna go public. Wow. Other people sold companies to Zynga. A lot of people worked at Google and Facebook and So like that's like that's your circle. Like that's what you're just surrounded by. It wasn't like I chose like and yes, now the friends I have I've chosen have you know have done well. But just growing up, I was surrounded with people that were all going to top colleges and going to top companies, starting businesses, and it was like it was almost kind of it was interesting that that's the expectation. I think for other people that 
aren't as fortunate as that. I felt just lucky. Like, how do you put yourself in that place? So I am curious, your journey, where you had parents that are, you know, bankrupt, like, how did you start exploring? Like, holy shit, like, did you hit rock bottom one day? Because, you know, you said you were 20 and you had all this debt. And- I think the, the, like that moment that I remember was became a financial advisor. And I was like, a, probably the first six months into being an advisor. And I remember meeting with a couple that was in their early 60s. And they wanted to retire because they hated their jobs. They were both working like they had a factory and they were just desperate to get out. And I'm looking at their investments and they had, it was like $30,000, but they had their 401ks and their savings. And uh, I don't know if they had a pension. I remember they had social security and that was it. And I remember just like, I had to give them the bad news. Like you can't, you know, based on how much you guys need, like you don't have enough saved. I just felt like I was the Grim Reaper, you know, like just sharing like this horrible news. And I just remember that moment is when I remember, like, I don't want to be them. And it also, like, seeing them helped me see, I was living with my dad at the time, I, helped me see him in a different light where I, I, I understood, like, everything that he was pretty well, like, keeping from me in a sense. Like, I knew he didn't, he was struggling with finances, but, like, seeing this side of it, like, we never talked about retirement and all that stuff. So when I saw that, like, when I saw how, down and dejected like this couple was, I knew that at that point, like, I don't want to be them. Uh, I don't want to become my dad. And uh, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes one to also to make sure I don't end up like that. And also, uh, began a mission of also trying to help others not follow that same, that same path that my dad did. And I was starting down. So did you just stop spending? Like, what do you do at that moment? Like, do you go read books? I don't know if YouTube was even that big at that time. I'm trying to remember, like, timeline-wise, I remember Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover was a book that I read, and that was actually inspired me to get my first $1,000 in savings, so I got that down. And that was pretty well, yeah, I mean, it was really watching, because I was, if I wanted it, I bought it. And I just stopped buying stuff. You know, even it was like a $20 t-shirt. I mean, that was just stuff I would buy all the time, or go out to eat, or go on trips. And, And this is also when I met my fiance wife at the time. So I met Mandy and she was very, she came from a family where they didn't have credit card debt. So she didn't have any debt. And it was like, you know, you didn't buy it unless you could afford it. So she really started to call me out on a few big ticket purchases, like a new flat screen TV that I wanted. So kind of having her in my corner, I kind of picture like, you know, I got like the angel and the devil on the side, you know, on the shoulders and her just kind of stepping in, just like really calling me out on a few times where at first I was like, what? Who are you? No, I want it. But then I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't afford it. And then I got really obsessed then. Okay, instead of buying stuff, I'm going to invest. So I started maxing out the Roth IRA, trying to catch up with my boy, Alan, putting in the 401k. And that, that's really, I think, when it really started to start to just expand and grow. I'm investing more and learning more about investing. And somewhere along the way, entrepreneurship kind of kicked in. Actually, it would have been a rich dad, poor dad. would have been that part. Amazing what a, a book that or, you know, for our work, these books that are like changed so many lives. Yeah. You know, when I was in high school, I read all these business books. I'm like, oh, I want to get rich. I didn't know how I was going to get rich. I just knew that's what I was trying to do. But uh, there's a disconnect from like reading a book and being inspired versus, okay, do I go buy a house or, <laughs> you know, what do you actually uh, to start becoming rich or start investing? So I am curious for you, like, how would you invest $1,000 in 2021? Just with the channel and the blog, like I have so many people that, like they still haven't invested, which I don't understand. You know, and usually what I hear is they don't have enough. They have to wait for the right time. Like I'm, if you know when that is, let me know, right? And I know like right now, the time is recording, like Dow Jones is like 30,000, Bitcoin's <laughs> almost 60,000 maybe. Um, there, there never is a right time. You know, the right time is now. It just depends on like how much you want to invest. And I am really, really big on, well, let's just say, the, we'll say the stock market first. And if you don't know where to invest, for now, look at the FANG stocks. You know, look at your Facebooks, your Apples, your Amazon. I don't know about Netflix, Google. You can throw in a Shopify, a Spotify, a Tesla, and just start dabbling, you know, just to get some exposure. So you start learning. And after, uh, tech stocks, I, I'm, 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 I'm crypto baby. I, I can't explain to you right now what Bitcoin is. I, like my 13 year olds asked me, dad, what's Bitcoin? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I bought these on Amazon just for fun. And my son like saw this. He's like, dad, is this Bitcoin? I'm like, no. <laughs> How do you get one? That is the Bitcoin, dude. It is. Yeah. It was $9.95 on Amazon. I got three of them. 
but uh, it, it took me a little while. You know, 2017, I remember doing YouTube, talking about investing. I had so many commenters, and they weren't spam. They weren't bots. They were real, pe- real people saying, crypto, crypto, crypto. You need to put money in crypto. And it just felt like FOMO, 100% FOMO. So I sat, waited, and then I got like 20,000 Bitcoin did, drop down. And then I think I got in probably about two years ago, I believe, uh, around 7,000, 3,000 on Bitcoin. Glad I did. And now it's like I just continue to funnel more in. Anytime there's a dip, I'm like buying a little bit more. I think cryptocurrency right now, I mean, you're just seeing too many big players like Square, PayPal, uh, big institutional money now pouring into cryptocurrency. And the fact that you can download an app, Coinbase, BlockFi, Robinhood, Webull. I mean, there's so many now that you can buy cryptocurrency. So you don't have to buy a Bitcoin. I mean, you can buy a fractional coin. But to me, like that's one of the areas that you don't want to ignore right now. So for your son, let's take your son as an example or someone that works at, you know, at AppSumo, like our, at our company. If they had $1,000, like how would you break that out? I have three boys and my two oldest, I think this is two years ago now, uh, I gave them $1,000 and said, hey, I want you to research some stocks and let's buy some. So we opened, uh, with them, I did Stockpile, which like more for like kids. And I'll, I forgot which son, one of the kids picked Tesla. So he's done really well. <laughs> uh, I, I think his $1,000 now is like 3500 Oh, wow. And the other kid, let's see, if he bought Tesla, he also would have bought Nike. The other kid was, he's, he's a Steph Curry fan, so he bought Under Armour, maybe some Facebook. And uh, he's up, I think he's up like sixteen, you know, to 1600 Still made money, but... <laughs> um, so that, I mean, that's one way. I think for them, crypto would be a little bit uh, too much. I, I tell you one thing, I'm like, I feel like I'm really late to the curve on this one. But as a kid, I was a, I was a huge baseball card collector and have some of my originals. Fortunately, I didn't like any, anything too awesome. But then recently, so my oldest is 13, my middle son is 11. They just started getting into card collecting. And I am learning how much I don't know about card collecting right now. But I bought my oldest son. So what, where I'm going with this is baseball cards. Uh, baseball cards, basketball cards. I mean, just sports cards in general. I mean, this market is it's insane. Like how much these cards are going for. My understanding is, I uh, talked to a rec- like a card shop owner recently. I think Gary V talking about cards here the last year or so. He's been, <laughs> I guess, he's to, to blame for you know some of the influx. But I mean, there are just some people that are viewing sports cards as like a alternate asset class that uh, you're seeing these greatest cards sell for just astronomical. But like just as an example. I bought my oldest son a LeBron James rookie card, and there's several different LeBron cards. This is the, I think the 93, 94 tops. And it was two years ago, I believe, bought it. Uh, it was $360. It was graded, which means you get to send it off, you know, to get the, uh, the rating. It was a nine and a half, not a 10 and $360. And right now I just saw an eBay going for anywhere between like 1600 to $2,000. Insane. Uh, and a card, I bought a Michael Jordan upper deck card, one where he's like, in a baseball uniform, I paid like 60 bucks for that like a year ago. It's selling for like 150 to $200. So like a, a younger kid or even anybody that's interested in collectibles looking at baseball cards right now, I, I think that's another area you could make a lot of money on. Well, let's stick with this for a bit because I, I do an alert. Like when I was a kid, I invested in the stock market and it was in the 2000 stock market. I was in, in high school and I lost all of it. Yeah, it was up for a bit. And I was like, it was up for a bit. And I was like, I'm the greatest stock picker I've ever seen. You know, put me in the, I'm going to move to New York. And then, you know, a few months later, I bought at home stock and uh, it went down to zero eventually. I, I think your point is great. Like, just get started. Just get started saving, get started investing, get started long term. I guess one thing I'm trying to think through is how do you make sure they're not, you know, Robin, I call them like the Robin Hood degenerates, uh, Robin Hood, where they just like, oh, everyone's buying this. I'm going to go buy that, you know, like kind of like baseball cards and NFT uh, and some of the crypto stuff now where, I think what, what concerns me with you know, how to invest is people are thinking they're going to invest a thousand and becoming a millionaire overnight. Absolutely. I think the most recent the example, I mean, the meme stocks, I mean, we can talk about GameStop as a perfect example. You know, you, I, I saw so many different tweets, Facebook posts of people that were taking out a second mortgage or a HELOC or whatever they could to put all their money into GameStop. And now if they sold, they made some money. Most of them did not. And I think that's just a prime example of, ooh, like that. I mean, that's not investing. I mean, that is straight up gambling, you know, in my opinion. And 
what I'm going back to like kind of what I talk about is if you want to buy some GameStop, then take a small amount. You know, don't take your all your savings. Don't take like your entire IRA or whatever you have. You know, don't take out a loan thinking that you're going to 10 extra money overnight. You may, and there are people that do, but most often than not, you're going to lose. And I think most people did, you know, lose with GameStop. Uh, I know for me, I, <laughs> it was a pure accident. I, uh, I bought a penny stock based off a, uh, I guess this is kind of, uh, what do you call it? Insider trading. But, uh, it was a client's daughter's boyfriend who worked for this oil refinery. And he was telling me they're going to have this earnings report, blah, blah, blah. And I, I bought some. I hope I don't get arrested for saying this, but I, I made the mistake of here's a prime good lesson learned. I put in a market order, meaning that I'm going to buy, you know, however many shares or a dollar amount, whatever the market wants to sell it to me as. I didn't know to actually put in a, a specific price, which for large cap, bigger stocks, like that doesn't matter as much. But for like penny stocks, it does. So like instead of buying this penny stock for like 80 cents, I bought a couple hundred shares, at 80 cents, and then several hundred more shares at like two and three dollars a share. <laughs> and I couldn't unload it. And overall, I ended up losing $5,000 off this penny stock. I call it the penny stock debacle. But what I will tell you is that like, man, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in that experience of how, you know, just the, the protections I put myself on myself when I'm making a trade. So if somebody's going to like gamble or take a risk, like with a GameStop or any, any sort of like meme stop like that, take a little bit of money, try it out, see what happens. And then from there, I mean, you'll learn, hey, it doesn't always work. That didn't work out. That sucked. At least I only lost a hundred bucks. <laughs> like shit, I got to keep my, I got to go get a job or create my own job. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. I like your point about just doing, getting started with it. I think the, you know, it's funny because I have so many people, you know, we have a company that we have people that work at it and we, you know, give them paychecks and I would ask them like, hey, what do you do with your money? And I'm not here to tell them what to do with theirs. I can only share, you know, what I do with mine. And a lot of them be like, I, you know, I put it in checking and, you know, I guess with Wealthfront Betterment, a few people started doing that a little bit, but it was a lot less than I expected. Like, oh yeah, I use the company retirement, but they're not actually actively trying to invest or save more money. And I, I was kind of surprised by that. For me, with the the thousand dollars, my approach has been probably from, for the past ten years is more al uh, asset allocation. And I don't know if that's like more old school, but it's how much do I want in like my four categories, like cash, real estate, stocks, and risky, and then you know just allocating my money around that. So I think that's where I, I don't. I guess the percentage is based on the kid's risk tolerance. Yeah, uh, but that that's kind of what's worked for me over the years. And I've I was talking with my friend last night. I've actually become riskier as I've gotten older, which is I guess the opposite for most people. I would think that, and I didn't really realize like this was the investing strategy that I was following. But uh, somebody told me about the barbell investing strategy, which basically just means that on one side, you know, on one side of the barbell, you've got straight up cash, you know, just safe, guaranteed, not going to lose anything, not not going to lose any principal. But on the other side of the barbell is super risky, and like in the middle, like you don't do the middle. So, like I don't own any bonds. Uh, the only reason I own some dividend stocks is just because I was doing a, a challenge like on YouTube. And so I opened up a Robinhood account and started building out a dividend portfolio just, just for fun. But uh, other than that, you know, most of the investments I have are tech stocks or just became a, I mean, this is something you've probably done a lot of. Like I just became an angel investor for the first time. Really feel really excited about that. Nice. Living in the Midwest, you don't get a lot of those opportunities. But uh, I got like some private real estate investments, not a whole lot. I mean, like $100,000 invested into that. And a lot of it just continues to funnel back into the business. Well, I think what's fascinating is like active money making versus passive money making, right? So with these investments, the idea is, hey, I'm going to go invest in these things and then, you know, let them go do their thing. Well, and I guess the way I've approached it is like, what can I actively try to generate wealth? There, it's funny because for the longest time, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I did that for 16 plus years and I had access to just the craziest tools that I could have tracked anything and done charting and all this stuff. And I never traded. Like I never traded. I bought a few stocks, mostly mutual funds, ETFs. But even now, like I recognize, like I have no interest on keeping up to date on what's going on with anything. And uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Grant Baldwin is also a neighbor of mine. You know, he just got into options trading here recently and he's like all in right now. <laughs> How's he doing on it? Um, I think last time we talked, he was up. I don't know how much. It's one of those, yeah, I'm up. But then I think he lost on some trade and 
know, he's learning. I think right now he's like in that uh, learning stage. But I mean, he mentioned like this is one thing he said. And this is one of the reasons why I don't do it. It was like he made some trades, had a one hour call, came back and like lost his butt. <laughs> and typically, like that's what that's what trading is. Like you have to be sitting here on your computer watching it or on your phone watching it. And I have no interest in doing that. You know, so like from there it began, okay, well, what can I do? And uh, that's when finally started some real estate, didn't realize it wasn't for me. I was trying to flip some homes or do stuff like that. And how'd you realize it wasn't for you? This is so red rich that poor dad. So I there's a my father in law had bought, this is totally old school, a C D e learning program. Carlton Sheets, you know, how to yeah. make millions, real estate investing, whatever. I remember in, the, in late night infomercials in like the 80s. Yes. So I listened to all 12 CDs as I'm driving around. I'm like, that's me. I'm it. That's going to be, that's going to be me. And I started looking at properties. I'm looking at listings. I'm talking to people, you know, made a few offers, didn't get on anything. And finally I made an offer on a duplex. And for some reason, I waited until after the offer was accepted to ask my CPA if this was a good idea. And uh, my CPA is also a real estate investor. And he's like, Jeff, it's like, you know, I do real estate. Like, why wouldn't you come to me first? Because I'm Jeff Rose. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Obviously. I'm a man. I'm the man. And he quickly, he's like, this is, if the, if the air conditioning unit goes out, you're going to lose money. And like, you've, you're going to be locked up for 15 years on this duplex. Luckily, I got out of it. and. I just realized it was just, it was eating up so much time. You talk about trading, you know, taking so much time, but like with real estate, like I was always in my car driving around looking at properties. And at that point, I just thought, you know what? I don't think this is, this is for me right now. And I started focusing on growing the business, uh, the financial planning business at the time. And I think it was just uh, probably six months later is when I discovered blogging and uh, not to really grow a business. I was blogging to grow the financial planning business. And that's when I eventually learned, oh, you can make money from a website. And that's when I got uh, uber obsessed with trying to figure that out and really enjoyed that process a lot more and eventually found out, I guess I kind of was good at it. And so, yeah, I got, I'll say lucky, but you know, it was one part I didn't mention, you know, there was two multi-level marketing businesses that I tried, didn't quite work out, real estate, tried to, I was going to do a marathon spot, like do some like a marathon, not run a marathon, meaning like I was going to put on a marathon in the area that I used to live in. I have no idea why I hate running. That was that didn't quite work out. And there's a few other things that I, I, I tried that didn't quite work out than the blog did. Well, I think what's fascinating about it is that you tried a lot. I think a lot of people try one, doesn't work, and they just are like, well, I'm going to get a job. And so I, I have a lot of respect for the, like, hey, I'm going to try new things over and over. I think one thing I have, me and my friend talk about pretty deeply is like, where, where can I have an advantage? And in real estate, it, there's a lot of people that can do it. But there's not as many people that can maybe do blogging or not as a lot of people can go do internet marketing or maybe YouTubing. Uh, and so it's like, where can you win or have an easier time to win? And so I like that you found, you tried real estate, you're like, uh, I don't know about this. And then go finding something else. The way, one thing that I've done that's been helpful is if I'm not wanting to be the best in real estate and I want to be the best in YouTube or podcast, how do I just find someone who is and give them my money? So like I had a landlord and he was really good at real estate. And I was like, can I just give you my money? So I just give him my money for real estate. And then I, my stepdad's good at stocks. So I give him my money for, for stocks, not entirely, but a, a good portion of it uh, in the stock world. I think that works. I think the key, though, is for most people, you got to get the money first, right? So you got to figure out how, <laughs> how to make some money to give. All right, let, let's talk about that. Let's, let's dive into that a bit. So what, you know, you've made a video that was really popular about passive income. I, I, I'm not a believer in passive income. I'm curious, what do you think that to create income actively or passively, what are, what are some of the top, top ideas you have in 2021? Well, I mean, we got to go back to, actually, I made some notes for you, Noah. So with the whole, like the blog, I mean, there, there's no way that in the beginning that blogging is, is passive income. And even right now, I mean, there's still content creation needs to be done. But as far as like what I do and how I do it is, you know, I've got a team right now that handles 90% of all the duties that need to be done. That took years though. I mean, that took a lot of time to, to build that up. So I think right now, like any sort of digital asset, which could be a blog, could be an online store, could be a digital product. I mean, obviously, YouTube is not passive in a sense, but other than if you create a video, you know, the, one of the things with YouTube I've, I've learned, I have a love-hate relationship with YouTube, but as far as like the videos where you educate people, like you show people how to do something, you know, like change your oil, 
open a Roth IRA uh, and do this, you know, steps one through whatever. Like those are the ones that help the most people and also benefit you in the long run, just from whether it be the ad revenue or if you got like some affiliates that you mentioned. So, I mean, some sort of digital asset, I think, is is a big one. Maybe not so much NFTs right now. I don't know anything about NFTs. I would probably say don't dabble there yet if you don't have a lot of money. But then going back to crypto, <laughs> I love me some crypto. But here's the thing, like I just learned. So here's another example of me dabbling was uh, I, I own some Bitcoin, but didn't know what a cryptocurrency savings account was and uh, discovered like BlockFi to where you could open an account buy some stable coin, which is tracking typically, you know, you can buy a stable coin that tracks the US dollar. So it's supposed to be safer. There is no FDIC insurance or anything like that. But uh, you're not gonna have the volatility of like a Bitcoin. But you can open up a BlockFi account, deposit your money like a savings account, and it pays 8.6% interest. Like, that's more than my bank is paying. And it took me <laughs> to the calculation. So I have like our emergency fund, like right now has about a half a million, $500,000 in it with a big national bank or regional bank. And in one month, I made, it was like $23 on that, that account. Then I looked at my BlockFi account, which had at the time $25,000 in it. And the interest that month was like eight times more than what I made in my, my, my big emergency fund at the big bank that was paying 0.00001%. So like that is a very easy way. Now, if you want to get a little more risky, you can deposit your Bitcoin into BlockFi and they'll pay you 6% interest on your Bitcoin. So you get the appreciation of Bitcoin if you buy at the right time. Plus, you're making 6% interest compounded on top of that. I mean, that's a pretty fun way to make passive income if you like a little bit of risk and want to have some fun. Do you have any crypto, Noah? Uh, I do. I do. I, use it, I, I needed to buy drugs years ago and now, uh, now I'm rich. So the, the moral of the story is drugs are good. I know that they're not telling you that in school, kids, uh, but I'm changing. Uh, I think one of the things that you've highlighted in terms of passive income, and I think there's a balance of chasing. I, that's a word that keeps coming up in my life is chasing things. And I'm like, do I feel like I'm chasing or do I feel like I'm being intentional with my decisions? And I do. I really like what you're saying about it, Jeff, which is you don't have to go and chase the Robin Herders and all this stuff, but try dabbling and experimenting just to understand. And so that that's really my crypto experience. Like at AppSumo, in 2013, everyone in the company bought crypto except me. And it, that was when it, 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 like, it rose. And I, I wasn't mad or anything. I was like, I just think they were all stupid. <laughs> and then only a few years later, I bought crypto to honestly to view some illegal NFL streams. That's the only reason I bought it. Screw you, Sunday ticket. Yeah. So if you go to, it's still a site, it's still around it's called Seasons for You. And I bought some Bitcoin because that's the only currency they accepted. And at that moment, I was like, okay, let me try it. I tried it. And I was like, oh, I see this. I get it. And that's kind of what, what got me into uh, buying it more regularly. I just did dollar cost averaging for the past few years. But I'm also, one thing that's interesting is as much as I generate from our com my company, from AppSumo, uh, which I do I make good money, I'm still not a very risky, I've become more risky, but I'm, I haven't traditionally been a risky investor. Like crypto, I put in $500 a month, which for me, relative to how much I make is very tiny. But other people put in like 100%, even though they make less. So it's, it's more just like your risk tolerances and things like that. I mean, a lot of money, like there, I had more cash than the, uh, the amount that I mentioned in my emergency fund. And even still, like the very first deposit into BlockFi was 25,000. Like I, I didn't feel comfortable putting in a hundred grand or, you know, three, a couple hundred thousand. Like I put in 25,000, you know, which comparison is like is a very small percentage, but it's one of those, man, I just, I, I want to make sure I understand it before I get too crazy with it. And, uh, even like first time angel investing, like I, it's one of those, oh, what if they get bought out, you know, and if I put a hundred grand in, exit for two million, um, yeah, or you lose it all. So it's like, I, you know, I put a small amount in there too. Just I looking at that example was I get to invest, you know, which, okay, maybe I'll make some money later on. Great. But I've also, I've never really been a part of a journey of somebody raising funds, you know, going through that process and building a team. And then, so like I was, it was more like an investment in getting a chance to be a part of like this guy's journey. And just to see like how it all plays out, like so I'm kind of like paying for the experience. <laughs> uh, the well, I'm I'm, I'm just trying to think about what you're talking about, which is passive income. The idea, I think, where I've hated passive income and the people that chase that is that they're like, oh, I just don't do anything and I'm rich overnight, and then like money just automatically comes to the account. But I think there are things that you can put in place today, like planting seeds, so that passive income, like you put in a startup, 
you know, five years, like I've put in, a, I haven't actually done that much angel, probably five companies, only one have exited. And that was like six, seven years later. Mm-hmm. And I, I made a six X return on it. It was teachable, but you know, none of my other ones have done anything. Not that, that maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I, that is passive, right? Cause I put the money in and for more or less, like they did all the work. I'm trying to think of other things that are passive that you could really set up today. So like BlockFi return, I have, I have money in BlockFi. I'm nervous about it. So I have about 300K. I'm very nervous that like, because I want to put in more, but I'm like, they're going to go away. Because the, the, if it's too good to be true, it just might be true. So I think that that's one of those, you know, Bertie Madoff, everyone's making money. And like, how could you lose? Of course, you know. Yeah, exactly. And unless you've experienced it, I think it's hard to have an experience and, and not and be able to go back and try it again. Because like with YouTube, if you make a bunch of YouTube videos, but you stop uploading, your YouTube AdSense will probably start declining and going down over time. For sure. It's like, what other, what other passive things are there that you could set up today? Like, div- I guess dividend stocks. Dividend stocks is an easy one. I mean, I wish I could talk more about real estate. I mean, I have, I, I know a ton of people that are in real estate, uh, that do well with real estate. And I know it's something that if I wanted to learn more about, I could. Right now, I, I live in the Nashville area. So if I, if I was interested, I, sh- I should have been interested like three or four years ago before the market just took off. But um, I think those are two other examples that you can look into. And, you know, starting off with uh, like rental properties, I think that's an easy way. There's a very popular YouTuber uh, named Graham Stephan. I think you did a video on him. And to me, like he, he started off with one of the classic ways of doing it where he bought a duplex, you know, where he lived on one side and he rented out the other, where I think uh, the rent payment basically paid the mortgage, I believe on both. I don't know, know exactly, but like that's one of the easiest ways. I've known so many people that got started in real estate like that. Like that's a very safe way, you know, to do it. And once again, that's dabbling, right? Like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then you buy one rental property, then you learn and you talk to other people. And then when you, when anytime you just get immersed, like in a certain space, like you'll make introductions, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have opportunities be presented. You don't have to say yes to all of them, but that's when you start learning, either saying yes, saying no. And, uh, I, for me, like that's where I've just, it's just cool. Like, you know, it's just like, I think about blogging, you know, had I not started blogging, I mean, I wouldn't be talking here with you as an example. I mean, there's just, so many different things that have come just because I decided to register a domain and start publishing articles. I completely agree. Same with YouTube. I, I think that the things that people kind of miss out on is one mental headspace. I don't know if you think about this. So like, if you go and do real estate, it's like if I buy, like I was looking at buying a property. I'm in Sedona, Arizona. I was like, oh, I could buy a property here. This is, I think, maybe early 30s. No, it was like, I could buy a property. I could Airbnb it or I could rent it out and I could make money. And, and you're like, well, what do I want the money for? But also, even more importantly, it's like, how much is that headspace? And is that taking away from higher leveraged activities or higher return activities? Absolutely. And then I think there's a second component of, you know, the, the headspace that, we, that people neglect is, what can I be an expert in to really grow my wealth? Because I do think there's some component, I highly think there's a component, like if you focus, like you focus on content creation and blogging, and you become an expert in it, and then the level of wealth you can generate from that is significantly higher. And so I, I think your point, you kind of highlighted with the, the real estate is like, pick real estate, pick whatever one you enjoy. Like, no offense to Grant, I, I, you know, I see Grant as an amazing speaker and educator. I don't, I don't know if I see him as a, you know, options gambler. Shout out Grant Baldwin. He has some real estate too. It's not that people should stay there lame, but I think to, I think massive wealth comes from expertise. And you get an expertise and an advantage by focusing on something for, you know, some period of time. And I don't know if like this is a, a big factor too, but like I, 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 I feel like it has its place. And I don't know if you were already recording you know, but we were talking about a coaching program that I did for about five years called the Strategic Coach. And in there, you know, Dan Sullivan talks about your unique ability, you know, which is basically just your just how you're wired. Like, what are your God-given talents and skills that you just enjoy doing that you just, when you wake up, like you just, you do it and you have fun. And you never feel like you're tired or drained. I mean, you get energized doing it. Mm. And I think other people, like I've heard it called like the zone of genius. I'm sure like there's other examples. And and I kind of look at my own life and it's like, man, what, what do I get really excited about? You know, and content creation, you know, like I enjoy coming up with the ideas. Uh, and then there's a part where I enjoy creating the idea. And then there's a part of the creation process where I absolutely hate. And that's where, you know, you find the team members to take care of it for you. And like looking back in like at real estate, me driving in my car, <laughs> looking at properties, I, I just... I was getting drained. Like I didn't like it. Like that wasn't fun for me. And I didn't know at the time, like that was not my unique ability. Like it wasn't, it just didn't give me, didn't give me life. And I think at some point, 
and not not saying like even with the blog, like there are definitely parts of that where it wasn't my unique ability. You know, trying to learn how to upload a, a blog theme and up up uh, update plugins and everything else. I mean, there's so much of that I hated at the time, but there was enough of it that I enjoyed that kept me pushing through to where I could finally stop doing all the crap that I hated. So I think, you know, just kind of taking your own temperature on, man, am I really excited about this? And and does that excitement continue? Or do you reach a point where you're like, gosh, this sucks. Like, this feels like work. And there's a balance there of, okay, well, do you have to do everything you're doing? Like, is there stuff that you can delegate outsource or just say me? Like, this, I'm not, just because my friend's doing it, you know, just because he's got real estate. <laughs> Uh, or he's trading the options doesn't mean that I have to. Everything becomes work at some point. So I think you do have to figure out how to keep it fresh over a period of time. You know, even if you enjoy blogging, like there's times like, oh, I'm writing another article. And, you know, you have to figure out, okay, well, what can I write about or how do I approach it differently? I am curious, how are you encouraging your, are you encouraging your kids to go to college and then get a job? Are you encouraging them to start businesses now? Like I get you're you're getting to do some of the investing parts we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, But how are you thinking for them? Like, hey, you guys should be getting on TikTok and start trying to get famous on this or like, you know, create software? Like, how are you, uh, you know, encouraging them? Yeah. So my oldest, you know, obviously there's a stock part of it. Um, I did, I showed him how he could flip sneakers. So, you know, he's got the sneakers app and, you know, he's made some money there. Uh, as far as college goes, like we're, it's funny because both my wife and I, we both went to college. My wife got an MBA and I'm still in the camp where, I mean, I look back, at least for me, like I needed college. Not that I needed the education, but like, I, I just, I was an immature <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I was a I was a lost puppy, and I needed that maturity before I actually can start do you know, to do what I did. Now, maybe because of that, like I see a lot of me and my oldest right now, like just very, hey bud, need you go uh, do this, go take out the trash or whatever, and he just kind of sits there for a minute. Not that he's not going to do it, but it's like the he doesn't have that immediate. He's up and he's going to do it, which actually I don't either, which is funny, but it's still pissing me off. Um, where my middle son, like, Hey dude, Hey Bentley, go take all the trash. And he like pops up like immediately. But, um, my wife and I, we talked about this and we definitely are in the camp of like, we do not think that college is necessary. And, you know, one of the things I've not told my son this, but I, I don't know which one, like I, I love Ramit Seti. I mean, he's got great content and, uh, I actually want to buy one of his courses. Like, I think I'm going to buy the, the success triggers course that he has. I'm not an affiliate, but I thought it would be like a great course for my oldest son to take over the summer. And like, that's the stuff that I want to introduce him to. And, you know, because I see what he's learning in school right now. He's going to be a freshman next year. And the whole COVID thing has really shown us like how much they're not learning (laughs) on Zoom. Uh, I mean, it's just like, wait, what? What are you? Okay. But I mean, I will say there's that part, or I mean, we could also homeschool them, but like, screw that. I mean, that, my wife is homeschooling our youngest. She's six uh, this past year, but I mean, she sees, I mean, she needs her time. So we need her time to kind of do our stuff, you know? But uh, yeah, like anytime I can show them a little bit of entrepreneurship and like I showed them the, the Google AdSense check and I'm sure they'll free. No, they, they know the amount, but like I wanted to show them like, cause I asked them, how much do you think your dad made his first year, like doing his blog? You know, because they, they don't know exactly how much I make, but obviously, like where we live, they get, get an idea that dad does okay. And I think there was the guesses were anywhere from like 10,000 on up to like 100,000. And like when I showed them the check, they were just like, what? What do you mean? You only made 100 bucks. <laughs> why? Like, why did you do it? Like, why did you continue to do it? And, and I mean, it's a lesson I want to keep reinstilling with them is like, most people don't make it rich overnight. You know, it takes years of hard work, of failing, of experimenting, of trying new things. And in a heartfelt way, I love to see them fail because if there's the biggest fear that I have with my kids is them being raised in a million dollar home in one of the richest counties in the United States. Like that's my biggest concern because, you know, I look back for me as like the house that I grew up in was like an $8,000 home that my dad bought that he had to borrow money from his ex-wife, my mom, <laughs> to pay for it with his new wife. Think about that for a minute. Um, yeah, it's going to be a little, little uncomfortable. But like, that's what I you know, grew up in. My wife, she like lifeguarded when she was in school. Like I started working when I was 15. Like when I was in high school, I was 
full-time student working 25, 30 hours a week. And not saying like, I, I want them to do that, but I want them to be inconvenienced, but I also want them to see what happens, you know, just when you put some work in. And that's like, I, the whole like sneaker flipping thing was like, I wanted to show my son, like, Hey, you can go get a job at Chick-fil-A, you know, work eight hours, make however much you make, or you could do this. I'm sure it was sink in, but I also want him to get that Chick-fil-A fast food experience. I don't know if you knew this, Noah, but when I was 16. I worked at McDonald's for a summer. So check that out. Would you like to supersize that? But I, I see too many, especially like I see too many parents in this area that really cater to their kids. And like, it's, I mean, you know, we're, we're the affluent. I get that. But man, like I, I want them to work hard. Like I want them to have calluses on their hands. Yeah. Anyway, so like that's just one thing I'm I'm very cautious of because I could see them just looking at the whole like get rich overnight. Like if they don't understand what it took to get to where where I got to, then how are they going to do that themselves? Hundred percent. I like that you want them to fail. That's got to be hard as a parent. I'm not a parent, but I imagine that's got to be a little bit tough because like you want them to do well. And part of making money is so you can you know do cool things in life. And I think only in the past few years I, I thought you know I think we're kind of taught to some extent maybe in my household like materialism is bad. But the same part, it's like, well, you could also enjoy it. And I think there is some balance of like, you know, getting your, yes, these shoes. It's just a pair of shoes, by the way, made in a sweatshop. One thing I'm thinking about, I'm actually going to make a video about it today is retirement. So as I tell my friend, I'm in my, my 30s, I'm almost 40, but I'm in my early 30s and uh, still early 39. <laughs> but I, I feel like I've been retired since I was around 30. And not that I even had, I don't even think I had a million dollars then. Uh, but I just was able to live the life the way I wanted for indefinitely. And so I'm making a video about that. And I'm, I'm curious, I know you've, you, you have a website about it, you teach people about it. I'm curious, you know, some of the things that you think how people should think about retirement. For me, it was like, how do I live a BMW life, like below minimum, well, not below, but live a low wage life, like live a low cost living life, and then be able to work on whatever the hell I want for indefinitely. And, and that's what I was able to do around 30 when I you know, got AppSumo going. But I only, I only made like a few thousand bucks. I think I literally paid myself. I was able to make two to three K a month after about a year. And I was like, all right, I'm retired. Now I'm going to do this forever and not worry about ever having to report to anyone again. You know, it's so interesting because I had I had so much beef with the fire community. It, just because and I'm, I had a few spe uh, specific examples of those that I knew had retired, but then they had a blog that was I, I had to assume was making anywhere from fifty to $100,000 a year. It's like okay, I mean, I get it, <laughs> kind of, not really. And uh, I really also have this beef with, I mean, I see blog posts, I see YouTube videos, like I retired at 28, but yet like they're doing their online business like full scale. And maybe that's something I just got to like <laughs> surrender. But I mean, like, I look back on, like when is the last time that it felt like work? And it, for me, it was... So I still had the financial planning business when I left. I moved to Nashville about three years ago. And even before we moved, like I was only in the office like one day a week. And like I was really proud of that. And then hired a guy, trained him. And there was maybe like one incident where I had to like help a client out like while I was living here. And it took me like an hour out of my day. And I just remember like I was pissed. <laughs> like I was so bummed. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore because it was like one of those trying to take care of like an IRA distribution and like there was a tax issue. And I don't know, it was just one of those things where I'm like, this is what I don't want to do anymore. And like that felt like work to me. But like other than that, like I can't tell you the last time where it felt like work. Um, I do do some like brand deals every once in a while. And occasionally those do feel like work where I'm trying to craft a message that fits. <laughs> I swear, hope they're not like watching this, but I, all these social media agencies, I don't think they have, they don't understand social media at all. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. But, um, most of my day, man, like what feels like work is whenever I gotta help my kids with homework. Like that feels like work. <laughs> like when I gotta like bring, start doing like geometry or something or solve like the area of a triangle, for God's sakes. But yeah, so I mean, when I, if I, if I looked at those, like I've been retired now. I mean, it's been, it's been a good while where like, I enjoy recording videos. Like I enjoy coming up with ideas, recording a podcast. I mean, it's, it's fun for me. And you know, like Tim Ferriss really talked about the mini retirement. And I remember like, even before all of this, when I was still a financial advisor, I would tell people that I didn't think I'd ever retire because I really enjoyed what I did. And going back to Dan Sullivan, you know, dude's like, 
in his early 70s, I believe. And that's why he talks about the unique abilities because he loves what he does. You know, he takes plenty of free days. I think he only works probably 50, less than 100 days a, a year. But when he does, like he loves it, you know, he's structured his day and what he, what he does around like what his strengths are. And oh, there's, I can't think of his name. There's a YouTuber I discovered recently. He's got like white hair and glasses. And I'm like, if I'm 70 years old and I'm doing YouTube videos because I love it, that's awesome. Like, how cool is that? That's what I envision. So right now, like this week, I mentioned my son's got three golf tournaments and I get to go to every single one. I pick up my other three boys from school at four o'clock every single day of the week. You know, I take them to school every single day of the week. Like I get to do that. To me, like that's awesome. Like so many parents have to commute, you know, have to work. They don't have the luxury, the ability to do that. And I get to. It's kind of crazy. Well, the timing is relative. It's just that you're willing to put in the work. I think that's one thing I keep telling myself nowadays, which is like, what seed can I plant today that I'll enjoy at the end of the year? A seed that I can plant today that I'll enjoy in three years. And like, I'm working on a book and I told my buddy at breakfast this morning, I was like, yeah, it's going to take two years. And I'm excited that it's a, a longer process. This is this be your first book, right? First like published book. Yeah. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. So, be, you know, it's interesting. These, um, I think I like reminding myself and everybody out there, like you want to retire early. It's not even about retiring. Retiring sucks. It's like, what do you do all day? You sit in a bed, you watch prices, right? But I, I think it's more, how do you live the life whatever way you want it to be? And it could be at a job working for a company. It could be running your own thing. It could be whatever. It's just like, it's just how do you get to that point? You know, what, how do you keep your costs low and put in the work like you've done uh, to get to that point? Hells yeah. All right, home slice. Well, that is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did. If you want to learn more about Jeff and Wealth Hack, go to youtube.com. It's a cool site for, with videos and search Jeff Rose or search Wealth Hacker. He's got a lot of great content out there. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go make a budget together. And before you go, tweet at me at Noah Kagan. That's K-A-G-A-N. And let me know what you thought of this episode. I love hearing your feedback. My mom sends me a lot of feedback. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. As I told you before, that's youtube.com slash okdork. And if you are a creator or you want to start a business or you've already made some software, go to appsumo.com slash sell. It is brand new. It is the marketplace for entrepreneurs. We are paying out over $40,000 a day in sales to creators, hopefully just like yourself. I literally think this is one of the best new opportunities for entrepreneurs I've ever seen in a long time. That's appsumo.com slash sell. Finally, a couple of shout outs to our amazing team. There's Jason at podcasttech.com. He's in Europe. He's awesome. He's got a cool accent. He edits these shows. so They sound so damn good in your eardrums. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, Jonathan, Sasa, and Jen from the Dork Team. And final shout out to Jordan, Lindsay, Eric, Brandon at AppSumo. Thanks for awesome video content. Our partners love it. Have a non-allergic day. What's your favorite? Does even, people even answer these anymore? I, I miss you, dog. I wish we, I liked it when you guys responded to be like, oh, my favorite shirt is that one uh, from Calvin Klein. I don't even think people wear Calvin Klein anymore. Mm-hmm.